Welcome back to Backpackers Banter, Woo! episode number three. I'm here with Michael. What's going on? Oh, I'm just chilling in the hustle. Come here and as we've usual. talked about being on this like podcast a few times, and yeah, not- never actually really came <laughs> about to happen. It's been a long time coming for a couple of weeks here for sure. Mm-hmm. But we have had a lot of stuff getting in the way. Like, not that this is like a news update thing or anything, but like we've had some shit going down around here recently. Oh, oh my yeah, God. Well, it's just the normal stuff, you know, like flooding, yeah. <laughs> just regular old floods, town yeah. going crazy. Yeah, standard stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I I, I do wonder if it's gonna get uh, better or worse from here on out because as it stands we've got like atms running out of cash uh grocery stores running out of food we've got fuel stations fuel with stations, no fuel no fuel no way in or out you know because yeah, we're, like, we're cut off yeah 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 it's uh it, it definitely has a potential to get worse but i'm hoping that this is the worst it's gonna get <laughs> yeah i think so i think things are gonna dry up after a little while and we'll be like really fine yeah gotta be optimistic that's the only way um have you ever experienced flooding before? <laughs> no, no, never. I no. mean, I'm Canadian, so like, I experience like a lot of snow that fall down and then suddenly melt. But it would never be like a flash flood scenario where I'd be like, have fear of being trapped inside my house. Yeah, yeah. Oh totally. no! But I did see an ice storm. So like, this is a uh, in Canada. It was like, it rains and then like when the rain hits the ground, it freezes immediately. So everything just gets covered in a sheet of ice. So like. You walk outside and it's a giant ice rink. Like, they they had those like big metal steel electric lines, like the ones that had like the high voltage cables going through them. Ice are like covering those things so much that they crumple in on itself and just like fall to the ground. What? Yeah, like those like huge ones. They just got so much ice and the weight would just cause it to collapse in on itself, and they like wiped out power for the whole region. Like, no one's water pipes were working because everything was frozen. The electricity went out, and it's, like, the middle of winter, so you can't go anywhere, and, like, everyone's struggling to stay warm, and the oh grocery God. stores are all cold. Was that, and, was that a, like, a once-in-a-blue-moon occurrence? Like Yeah. Ah, yeah, I don't think it's ever... I don't think it's ever happened since. Yeah. Like, back then, it was 1998, so it's called the Ice Storm of 98. Okay, and, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing like that's happened as far as I know. Do you reckon they installed, like, better... Uh, power lines since like <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you can it's like I don't know if it's like one of those things that is just physically impossible yeah because yeah. it's just the sheer weight of all the frozen ice just caused it to collapse Jesus so, oh man I mean I, you can see how it how it happens like I, I mean yeah it's it's yeah. heavy you know but like yeah damn yeah I, I, yeah I can't think of a way that you'd like mitigate no, just, that at all it was mm. just you just find stuffed. a way to keep it warm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's light, it's got electricity running through those cables. You just, like, put a little one, like, onto the metal framework and electrocute the whole thing. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> <laughs> very safe. Yeah, yeah very safe. Very, yeah. very safe, yes. <laughs> Moving to the future. Things don't have to be safe anymore. <laughs> it's got to be functional. Uh, shit. So, born and raised in Canada. East side? West side? Oh, uh, central Canada. Central Canada? Like, yep. Ottawa? Uh, yeah, actually close to Ottawa, like an hour south of Ottawa in this right tiny, tiny town. South of Ottawa, it? so like on the on the border with the with America. Uh, yeah, I lived about like half an hour from the border to America. Yeah, because I hear like ninety percent of people like live in that like band. Oh yeah, like well yeah, America. the bottom. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where like everyone lives. Like the yeah. farther north you go, the colder it gets, oh, and yeah, the more it desolate gets, it gets. It's yeah, it's not a very pleasant place to live. No, no, it's like tundra and stuff, right? Like yeah, or tundra, but like also in the summer, then it becomes just like really swampy and marshy. Like, my mom, she was driving up there with her parents once because they were going from 
Ontario from like Ottawa area over to Alberta to Manitoba and then you have to go like up into the north and over the Great Lakes so that brings you like pretty far up north and when like she got to that upper part of north and Ontario yeah she said she was like driving in the car and then like she felt this saw this like shadow come over like some sort of cloud was blocking the sun and then she looked out her window and it wasn't a cloud it was a cloud of mosquitoes what so, like, it was a cloud of mosquitoes so big that it was, like, casting a shadow as if, like, a normal regular cloud was passing in front of the sun. I thought mosquitoes were only in the tropics. Mosquitoes? No. We got hundreds in Canada. Seriously? In, yeah. like, frozen it's, wasteland? It's not frozen in the summer, though. Oh, uh, it was in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Still, that's, yeah. It's, I, I wasn't, it's a shitload. I wasn't not, not expecting there to be mosquitoes up north. Mm. I actually reckon there's more mosquitoes in Canada than Australia, from what I've seen. But like bugs in general, like they're they're bigger and in more number in the tropics, right? So like, I would have yeah. thought like you know, because I'm like from like Melbourne basically, which is like a really temperate area. Like mosquitoes just not as not as numerous as they are when you start coming further up north in Australia. I think it's got something to do with the water. I mean, we've got like so much water all over right, the place, so and then in the it. summer it gets really humid. Yeah. So there's like perfect breeding ground for them. They do love water. They love little, you know. Yeah, and then it's like in that area, it's a lot of like still swampy like lakes. It's not water's not really moving. So just the perfect breeding ground for them. Man, yeah, okay. Damn, I never, yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have guessed (laughs) that. But there you go. Yeah, this also then like, then we started. I started thinking it's like, wait, so how many mosquitoes does it actually take to kill you? Like, to, like, suck all your blood out. Only one if it's got, like, HIV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, malaria or something. something yeah, yeah, that's something true. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> one bad mosquito can do one, it. One bad mosquito, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it takes two million mosquito bites to drain your oh, blood. Oh, man. Is it really two million to drain yeah, your blood? I, that's what Google told me. That's crazy. Imagine so, all the bumps on you. Oh, oh <laughs> it's a pure bump. Yeah, you would die of the itch before anything else. Yeah, yeah, you'd tear yourself to pieces before you get lose all that blood. Yeah. That's crazy. That's that's dark. But sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so, how long were you in Canada for before you started traveling? Do you think? Uh, I left when I was seventeen. So, like, I, I lived there till I was seventeen. Last year of high school, and then my parents. We're like, oh, we're going to move to Holland because my dad was Dutch. He immigrated to Canada. So he actually wanted to stay in Canada. But my mom was the one who's like, oh, no, I want to go check out Europe. So right. then she got the family and we moved us to Holland. And we moved to like a little town called Groningen. Okay. It's like up in the north of Holland. Like, like uh, is it Frisia? Ah, Friesland. Friesland, yes. Yeah, it's close to Friesland. It's like right beside it, but no, it's not Friesland. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, yeah. Still, still Dutch, Dutch. Still Dutch, Dutch, yeah, <laughs> Dutch, yeah. Dutch, yeah, yeah. Not, not the invitation Dutch. <laughs> oh, the Friesland would hate it. They're very, yeah, they're very proud of their I'm just very patriotic about their, their, their Fries heritage. The world, yeah. <laughs> but everyone else just makes fun of them for it. That's so funny. <laughs> And yeah, I had this guy like tell me like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not Dutch, I'm fishing. I'm like, but where's, where is that? Where, like, where, where are you fishing? Yeah, yeah, yeah where are you fishing? <laughs> where, where's your rod? <laughs> I'm like, but where is it? Where is that place? He's like, well, it's in the Netherlands. I'm like, so you're Dutch? And he's like, no, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm better like, than that. <laughs> it's, it's like the Catalans in, um, in Spain, you know, Catalonia. Uh, Catalonia. Yeah, but I don't think like, the, I don't think the Frisians want to leave though. Oh, they don't want to leave. No. They're happy with the perks that they're getting from the, yeah. uh, the Dutch government. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, they're, they're happy being in Holland, but they want to have like their own language and spoken right. like, and writing and stuff. Yeah. And they sort of like 
<laughs> keep to themselves. It just of. starts getting difficult then, doesn't it? Because if you've yeah. got like a press release from the government or something like that, what are you going to have like it translated? You know, you know what I mean. Like, uh, if I think they, if they stop speaking Dutch, then you know that becomes then hard for them to be like part of the rest of the country, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's like. It's a difficult thing because, like, if you only speak Frisian, you're stuck in Friesland. You're not going anywhere else in Holland. And most of them, right. most of them travel around. And I think most of them, most people in Friesland learn Dutch eventually. Okay. Like as they grow up, it's like from kids mm. to a certain point, they may only speak Fries, mm. but eventually, at some point, I think they all end up learning Dutch unless they like work on a farm and they never leave the countryside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is is it kind of like Catalan then? Because they've got they've got their own language as well, and they kind of yeah, you know, I, I guess so. Yeah. about it. Yeah. That's yeah, the closest so. comparison I can make, you know. It's not yeah. like it's not like Tasmania's trying to lop itself off Australia right now, so you know. <laughs> well, I mean I did see a couple guys on the coastline with some paddles trying to get farther away. <laughs> <laughs> just in base in Bass Strait, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Let's go higher. Yeah. You can make a couple more kilometers. <laughs> oh man, I would hate to have to swim in that 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 torture. It's just so cold, the the Bass Strait around there. Like this near oh, yeah? close to the Southern Ocean. Yeah, it's just it's freezing, yeah. I mean, like my my the town I grew up in is like on the on that coast, and it's like you can't go in that water for a certain amount of Wait, time. Wait, you're from Tansy? I'm from uh, I'm from Victoria. I'm from hmm. like just like on the yeah. I'm, I'm on the Bass Strait though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just on the, the opposite side. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, just the opposite side. Yeah, but like it would be the same cold water running through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, people surf down there, but they they all wear wetsuits and stuff like that. Up here, you don't need a wetsuit. You just jump in the water and it's nice and warm. Like, it's good yeah, to go. That's true. But until you get to a certain point where you need a wetsuit again, but not because it's cold, but because, you know, all the jellyfish and the things that oh, are sting true. you and then they may kill you. Do they have special wetsuits for jellyfish? I yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So, like, as long as they can't, stingers don't get to your skin, you're actually fine. But wetsuits, like, they, like, they stop at the neck, right? Like, your, your face is still exposed. Like you could. Are these maybe like the dry suit ones that like cover your body completely? God damn, man! I can't imagine getting into water with just like a full body suit on. That's so funny. It's like, what's the point at that point? You know. <laughs> I mean, well, if the waves there are really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the only way to catch them, and there's gonna be like no one there either. That's true. Yeah, yeah. who's gonna bother with uh, being that? <laughs> yeah, being yeah. that much into surfing that you have to yeah. wear a full body suit on <laughs> so like something doesn't kill you. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. Oh man, the thing we've been getting some jellyfish here in Byron Bay though. Like, oh yeah, yeah they come they come down pretty far south. I think um, a friend of ours, uh, actually previous podcast guest M, got stung by a jellyfish here just the other day. Yeah, yeah. I got stung uh, like right here on my arm the other day too. as well. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. I mean, it hurt a little bit, and then it just stung for a little while afterwards. Yeah, but it wasn't too bad. Did you, did you pee on it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> what else are you gonna do yeah. about it? <laughs> Apparently, I, I, you know, I did it myself. You know, just. <laughs> I've heard that's a myth, though. So oh yeah, it's, it's not true. It's not. I've true. heard the same thing as a myth. Actually, I heard you had to get a pregnant woman to pee on you. <laughs> the, the myth continues. <laughs> Something about having the baby and then the like, hormones that are made, you know, you get rid of the sting. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a strange thing to be running around the bridge looking for. <laughs> An even more interesting conversation to try to entice her to do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, finding a pregnant woman on a beach when you've just been stung by a jellyfish, that can't be an easy task. Mm -hmm. Surely not. They are in short supply, as is, you know, especially on a beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, 
Well, we'll see. Oh, a rare day. It can happen. So tell me what it was like going to uh, Netherlands after Canada. Like, what, what was that contrast like for you, that transition? Ooh. But, I don't know. I mean, I was like, I was 17 years old. It was my last year of high school. I did not want to move to Holland. Right. Like, you had friends and stuff. I had friends. There was a girl I was into. I was oh, going to be shit. graduating that yeah. year. And then, you know, next thing I know, I get, like, up and move to this up place where yeah. I don't even speak the language. Like, I get there, and I'm supposed to go to school and, like, follow all these courses, and, like, it's all in Dutch. And I'm sitting there, like, twiddling my thumbs because, like, nothing they say makes sense. Damn. It's got, like, all the gaat, and, like, who gaat it, and yeah. Like, yeah. It sounds like they're all just, like, choking on something in their mouth. Yeah, like, like a potato. Well, like yeah, a like a potato, potato yeah. Shoved in their mouth, yeah. Wait, but your dad was Dutch, right? Yeah, my dad was Dutch. And you, ne- you never, like, taught you anything in the in their home? I think that, like, they tried at one point when I was younger. It just... Didn't kick. Yeah, didn't, didn't kick. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't really interested. Didn't think I would have to, like, ever learn it for any reason. Yeah. And well, it turns out I probably should have, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, you, know, you were like five, like, you weren't, yeah. you weren't making those Yeah, my man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 when I was five years old, I, yeah, I had like yeah, a 20-year yeah. plan, you know, this is what's going to happen, <laughs> 15, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's, <laughs> imagine if we were like that, that would be crazy. Just wouldn't make any sense. If you, I mean, humans gain their independence like really late in life compared to most animals. Like birds, they'll just kick them out of the nest at a certain like at a certain point, and they just got to fly. And if you can't fly, you, you fall I mean, to your that's death. That's it. Yeah, you're too bad. Oh, you're done. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, humans, we like coddle them for eighteen years plus. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Some even longer, you know. It's yeah. just like under the shoulder there, the wing, and then. Yeah, hundred I mean, percent. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of me. I stayed at home for like quite a while. I don't, yeah. Didn't leave till I was like 26. I was living in Holland. Yeah, right. And, yeah. So you learned the language over those eight oh, years. Oh, yeah. Over the, the eight years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. by the end of my 10 year there, I could speak Dutch fluently. It was like my last day in Holland, I'd go to the coffee shop I sometimes frequent and I had a good, really good rapport with one of the guys there. Yeah. And I'd go in and I'd speak English with him all the time and he knew I was Canadian. And then like on my last night in Holland, I went to the same coffee shop and I went in, I was talking to this girl that was there, like she was new, she was working there, we were talking in Dutch, having a nice conversation, and then my other friend just walks over and starts speaking the English to me. And she's like, why are you talking to me in English? He's like, this guy's Dutch. And then he's like, no, he's Canadian. I'm just there like, I've made it. That's <laughs> crazy, yeah, that's so good. If you can get fluent enough that they mistake you as being a, na- like a yeah. you know, Native speaker. Native speaker, yeah. Yeah. And then I left the next day. I mean, I was done. That was it. You know, I got what I needed to achieve. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sometimes stunned by, like, you know, like, even just people we've met here at the hostel, like, uh, like, Victor, for example, he's from Uzbekistan. But yeah. it's, he, sa- he sounds like a native English speaker. Like, oh, yeah. It's just like... He sounds Australian. He's full-on Australian. He sounds Australian. I mean, like... I would, I, I would have thought he was born here and raised here, and then yeah. maybe his mom came from Uzbekistan. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually really impressive, like, to be able to assimilate to that level, you know? Like, to, to really yeah. be so absorbed in that culture that you become that, you yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a gift. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess humans are just so adaptable like that, you know? Well, yeah, I guess the humans want to fit in. They want to, like, belong to the society that they're in because, you know, then you feel accepted. It's easier to make friends and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, yeah, it's, it's like a natural kind of answer for it, you know? Answer yeah. to all the... 
problems that you face. Assimilation. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because, like, you know, there are, like, there are instances where it's, like, you get, like, a, a population of people moving to another country and they just, like, create their own community and, like, continue to speak their language in their, in their spot, you know, and it's, like, like, trying to find the balance between... You know, I, I, it's just it's just hard because if you've already, um, I don't know, say say you're I don't know, I'm just I'll throw out an example. Like say you're Vietnamese and mm, you're yeah. like 50 years old and then you migrate to Australia, like you are like so much more Vietnamese than you could possibly be Australian. So you're like you're gonna continue to stick oh, yeah. with that language and that culture and everything, but then your kid, you know, is gonna go into an Australian school. They're going to have Australian friends. They're going to go to Australian shops, all this sort of stuff. And they'll, they'll just, they'll just become Australian basically. Like, you know, Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the difference between first and second generation is huge when it, when it comes to stuff like that. Oh yeah. Cause they, yeah, yeah. Cause they're completely raised here. That's like, that's most of the influence they're getting. They're not getting any of that. that yeah. Lots of that Vietnamese culture would just like disappear because yeah. it's not there. They get a little bit of it in the mm. home. Yeah. You know, even if their parents are speaking to them full fluent Vietnamese though, for their whole time, the whole time, like they're, you know, they, their their whole outside influences is going to be Australian. Well, yeah, the same thing is happening with some of my brothers and sisters now. Like, I have a few that were born in Holland, and some that were just like raised there. They got there really young, and like now when I speak to them in English, they have a Dutch accent when they speak English, and it's it's weird. Some of their mannerisms are more Dutch than like what I would say Canadian was. They have more of a Dutch feel. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's a definitely a thing. You know, it's a really interesting. Um, uh, phenomenon that I've noticed like um, people who learn to speak English as a second language often like they'll like learn it from American like you know uh, content basically oh yeah you know like movies and you know like Duolingo or whatever it is like whatever your teacher is like you know it's got like it's American videos and so they'll end up just having straight up American accents like you know they're just like like for example, my brother lived in Spain for a bit, and he said they just all had like when they spoke English, it w it was broken American accent English. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it was no like Spanish undertones was, or anything. It was just yeah. like a perfect and American accent, so but like, flawed grammar. Yeah, so he couldn't even communicate with because he would have a strong Australian accent, and they'd be speaking in this like weird American accent. Like, <laughs> and they wouldn't understand like, each other yeah, at so all. Yeah, they just wouldn't understand each other at all. It's it's it's, it's so funny to me that that happens. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Okay, so uh, you were 26 in uh, Netherlands and then you went traveling? Yeah. Yeah, so like when I was 26, I know, like Holland wasn't really, I wasn't feeling like I was fulfilling, having like a very fulfilling life there. I mean, of course, I was still living at home, so, you know, it's just like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. And another one of my friends was like in a similar place. Like we both went to work, but we didn't really like our jobs. So like we were sitting around, we were smoking, and we came up with this idea, like, you know, let's ride our bicycles to China. And we looked at each other, like, yeah, it's a pretty crazy idea. And we didn't really talk about it for like another week or so. And then one night I walk into a bar where my friend is. I walk in, he jumps up and runs to me. He's like, Michael, let's fucking do it. And I was like, do what? He's like, let's bike to China. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. We bought, booked two bicycles online. They came and two months later, we just hop on our bikes and we leave. Like, that was it. it was, what? Yeah. 
That's fucking bonkers. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was just like, I don't know, we got the bicycles, we had like the packs and stuff, we packed up the gear that we thought we would need, we looked at a map of kind of like figuring out, I was like, okay, we'll go through Europe like this, and then we have to go to Turkey, and then into Iran, and we were just like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, we, the only thing we had to do is like, in those two months, we got the Indian visa, because you have to get that one from in your own country. So we just popped off to the embassy, did all the paperwork, and the Indian visa company is, it's shit. It's so... Oh, any, any of those visa, you know... Uh, like, you know, delegate kind of, yeah. it's terrible, man. I can't. I mean, like, like any single, like, mistake that you make, they Cultural. send it back and you have to start all over. You don't even, you don't even have to, you have to, like, start the paperwork all over again. It's just yeah. back and forth like that all the time. Those guys absolutely hate their lives in there. Like, oh, you yeah. can tell. Like, they're just, they're just having a, they're having a rough one. Doing, they're taking it on you. <laughs> yeah, and they take it out on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I went to like, um, I had to go to a Danish consulate before I went to Denmark and, um, oh, such a, such a mess around. They like, you know, they're like, oh, um, yeah, we actually need you to go and, uh, source your own, um, express mail, you know, um, thing. And we're closing in like half an hour. So, you know. You better, you better go. You better, <laughs> better go. run. <laughs> better run, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the post office is like, five kilometers away. <laughs> honestly, it was like, I literally just sprint halfway across town to get it. I was just like, this is so stupid, you know. Because uh, so that, that was so that they could mail my passport to Sydney from Melbourne, you know, and, and get it, like, stamped or something and returned. Like, I was like, what is this nonsense? Like, why don't you have a stamp here? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, it was ridiculous. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm way more interested in the story about you riding your bike from the Netherlands to China. So let's go back there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, to be clarified, we both ace visa companies. No shit. <laughs> okay. Just to make it clear one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you, when you say you got supplies for the trip, do you mean like the repairs for the bike and stuff? Uh, no, it's more like... Because like, we bought the bicycles and then we had to get the racks for the, both the front wheel and the back wheel so we could put our bags on them. So we had okay. like two bags in the front. Saddle bags. Saddle bags, yeah. And yeah. two on the back. And then I had a tent on the back of my bike as well. So I think between the two of like... I think I had about 30 kilos of weight on my bicycle and then my friend had 30 kilos of weight on his bicycle. Yeah, okay. And it was pretty much just like clothes, cooking pans, a little bit of food tent sleeping bag and that was about it how much would a bike weigh by itself like five five kilograms oh maybe a bit more yeah i think around 10 10 but, to 12 so, but when you're riding oh, like 24 it depends on the bike actually can, can you notice the drag when you're riding like um i mean the bike does feel like in the beginning it did feel heavier but then just i just got used to the amount of weight that was on it yeah and then i spent like it's like in the beginning i spent like three weeks biking but always with the bags on and then one day I took the bags off and was biking on the bike without the bags. It was a whole other experience. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. flying. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I felt like a god. Yeah, like the yeah, bike yeah. was just going as like super fast. Like it, I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah, I felt yeah, yeah. invincible. We got thing. to the point where like I was trying to take a turn and I'd actually like lift the bike up and like throw it, like half like, and like I spin out and I fell because like my strength for turning was. Way disproportionate, right? Because you were expecting to have to, you know, yeah, like compensate for the weight, load, but yeah. now it's just woof, that's chucked it away. So funny. 
oh man, it's kind of like if you're like just running with like a really heavy backpack on all the time or something like that, and then mm-hmm. you take the backpack off. Yeah, and, and, then, you, and then you jump. <laughs> and you jump, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So did you take, I assume you wouldn't have just been like on the autobahn going going down <laughs> through Germany or something, were you? Uh, n- we may have been for one stage, but not for long. <laughs> okay, you did, you did ride your bike on an autobahn. That's yeah. It <laughs> it's just got, like we, I don't know, we got lost and we pulled under like the wrong ramp, and then we ended up on the highway. And we're like, fuck, we have to get off of here. Oh my god. Yeah. So was it mostly back roads then? I don't know. It was mostly like through cities. Yeah, smallish highways, not major highways. Um, yeah. I mean, all over the place. Just like sometimes like on country bike. roads. Yeah, well, yeah, lots of random country roads, highways, country lanes, lots of the, lots of the time through cities and stuff. Yeah, Because, okay. like, Europe's really well populated, and they've got, like, decent yeah. roads that are going everywhere, so... Yeah, that's so true, yeah. I mean, but also, like, throughout Holland, it, like, it was bike paths everywhere we went, because they're so good for that. Yeah, totally. And then in Germany, Germany's got, like, some bike paths, but it's not as much. So, like, sometimes they're on bike paths, sometimes they're on roads... It was never too busy while we were there. And then Austria was all just like mountainy roads that were like up and down and all oh, over that the place. Been, that would have been so shit trying to ride uphill with 30, kilo, 30 kilograms of baggage. It's, yeah. I mean, it wasn't too bad. I mean, yeah, it was rough. We did it, but then like every time you go up a hill, you have the satisfaction of knowing there's a downhill side on the other side of the yeah, hill. Yeah, that's true. And then you're like, you fly and you're doing like 60, 70 kilometers an hour. There was this one hill in Turkey where we got to the top and we were going down and we got into like this streamline behind a truck and we hunkered down over our handlebars, tried to make ourselves as flat as you could. I had my chest on the bicycle seat and it's like my ass sticking out in the air behind me trying to get like <laughs> that perfect curvature for the wind to roll off me. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, I'm flying down the highway and I'm passing the truck and then I'm in front of the truck and I'm just whizzing down this highway. Crazy. I was, I, like, we had these like little um, calculator monitors on the bike that would show us our speed i hit 95 kilometers an hour oh my god this is oh, it's a thrill that's scary it was, it was, yeah <laughs> wait, it was scary oh <laughs> yeah. my god like two big bags on the side too so you're like a clunky thing oh uh, that's death <laughs> that's death <laughs> that's yeah. crazy oh it's so much fun <laughs> oh my god damn i don't even know where to begin with this story because it's just too it's, it's just too epic like yeah, what the hell I don't know. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, it's gonna. It's a big story. I think I'm just more like drop some highlights or something. Yeah, yeah. Drop some highlights for us. Yeah. All right. Ah. Uh, well, yeah. Throughout Europe, it was mostly like standard Eurotrip stuff. We weren't actually spending that much time in there. We tried to get out really quickly because we'd seen it all before on these yeah, like, okay. vacations we did. We'd done, and then Turkey. I don't know. Turkey was fun, but not really much of note. Note happened there until we got to like. The Turkish border with Iran. And this is where stuff, like, starts getting interesting. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Because, like, you've got this, like, one border town right before the border with Iran. And it's, like, one of the sketchiest places we've been. It was full of Syrian refugees at the time oh, as well shit. because they had the crisis going on. Oh, shit. And this is, like, 2014 kind of range. Uh, 2017, yeah. Yeah, 17, yeah. Shit. Okay. So, yeah, like, you get into this town and, then, like, you get into the town and then it looks like someone's stolen the main road. Like, it's, it's just gone. You've got, like, all the shops, and where the main road should have been was just, like, sand. So, like, oh black God. sand. There was no, like, vehicles, like, they were working on it or anything. The road was just, just gone. 
And we're biking through it, looking around. It's like really dodgy. And there's like like old Swedish guy we'd also met before. And he was biking there in front of us. And people were like throwing metal things like at him and chasing him down the road, yelling for like money, 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 money. And he's just pumping along trying to get away from him. Holy and then shit. We were behind him and then, I don't know, I guess since we were younger and fitter, they like left us alone, but still, it was yeah, a sketchy place. Like, That's crazy. Yeah. They were just throwing like random yeah, debris like, at him. Yeah, just yeah. trying like to get him to stop so they could get money off of him. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Shit. Did you, get, did you guys team up with this guy then? If he was doing the same thing as you at the same time? Uh, yeah, we did for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We met him and then we got... We stayed at different hotels while we were there in the area. And then we left on a different day and we got to the Iranian border. And this is where we spent like all the money that we had on us at the moment because we had like a bunch of Turkish money. We thought, oh, we'll get rid of all this. We'll get more money when we get into Iran. So we bought like some snacks and some food. And then we crossed over the border. We went through the border. Everything worked out fine. The visa was great. No problems. We thought it'd be like super hard and sketchy because it's Iran. But no, it's super easy. So like, we get through. We start biking into town. And we get to the first town. Thing is like, all right, now we need to get some money. So we go up to an ATM. We start like putting our cards in. Nothing happens. It spits the car back out. We try another few cards. Doesn't work. We start talking to this like Iranian guy that's there who's who could speak English, and he was just like, yeah, guys, your cards don't work in Iran. Your checks don't work. Nothing works in Iran. The only thing that works is, like, the money that you bring with you. And we're like, oh, shit, we just gave away all our money before we came in. And we're there, like, freaking out a little bit because we've got this, like, whole month we're supposed to be in Iran, and we have no cash and no way of getting cash. And this is the moment my friend's like, but wait a second. My friend's ex-boyfriend's father is Iranian. I'm going to get his number and I'm going to give him a call. So gets his number, gives this guy a call. Turns out he's in Iran at the moment and he can give us money. We just have to get to Tehran and that's 700 kilometers away. Oh my God. <laughs> Tehran. It's like in the middle of the country. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there at the end. It's like, okay, well, we, we have to go there. We've got like a few snacks and like 20 euros. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh shit. So it's like, so that was starvation then. <laughs> uh, well, we took the, t the twenty euros to like this like one little shop. Well, we got it converted, and we took the money that we got over to this one little shop, and we bought this giant jar of honey and some hardtack bis biscuits. So I thought it was like, yeah, honey's got a lot of sugar and nutrients in it. It'll keep us going for whatever this like week is going to take us to get there. And like, well, the biscuits, I mean, something to put the honey on at least. Yeah. yeah. Far out. Oh my god. <laughs> and so you found this guy? Um, yeah, well, eventually. Because, like, then we kept biking all along, and then we met up with the Swedish guy again. He was parked on the side of the road, and he'd camped there. We camped with him for a little while as well, and biked a bit with him as well, but then we were in a real big rush, and he, he wasn't. Yeah, so, he was taking his time. Yeah. yeah, he was taking his time, and then we ditched him and just, like, pff, bolted onwards, yeah. trying to get to Tehran to get some money. And then, like, along the way, yeah, we weren't eating very well. I wasn't getting enough water. And it got to this, like, one day where, I don't know, I just started getting, like, sick or feeling, like, really bad. And, like, giant stomach pains and headaches. And we pull over at this, like, one sort of Red Cross-like place. Like, someone had told us, like, it's a crescent moon with a plus sign. 
and you can go there and there's like medical facilities or like places that people can help you sort of like a red cross vibe yeah okay and went inside there not feeling very well and like nearly passed out on the toilet when i was sitting down and doing my business could barely stand got in the shower passed out again i was just completely fucked from dehydration and like oh my God. not eating enough it's yeah I Holy mean, shit! I, I felt super sick. It was it was terrible. Did they feed you? Uh, yeah, we got some food. We got some water. I started feeling really good again after that. Oh I mean, spent the night there, and then when I started feeling better, like the morning, we left again, and then we kept biking. We got to the city called Zanjan. So in Zanjan, like we stopped under this one overpass, and we were cooking some pasta that we had with us, just on this like little camp stove. And as we we're like cooking it up and eating it, this like one Iranian guy comes and stops beside us he was like on his bicycle he rocks up stops sits down and just sort of sitting there I didn't speak very much English so I don't know having little bits of chats and then he just like looks at us and is like you must come to my garden and we're like all right yeah, we'll come, we'll come with you. sketchy man is. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> I mean how much worse could it get you know <laughs> garden sounds like food <laughs> <laughs> you must come to my garden yeah we're like oh okay so he gets on his bicycle and we start following him around town. And we're like biking around behind him for like half an hour. And we're suddenly like, looking over at my friend. We're like starting to think, he's like, where is he taking us? Like, where are we going? We've been following this guy for half an hour. Haven't really spoken to him that much either because he doesn't speak English. And we're like, okay, we'll follow him for another 15 minutes and then we bounce. Yeah. And then it's like at this point, you like sort of pull out of the city he'd been leading us through. And we get in this like orchard-like place where it's got like all those high walls with the trees on the inside. And he takes us through and he takes us into one of these orchards and it's got like all that cherry cheese, the currant cheese, the apple trees. And he takes us through this like orchard of his and we start like picking Holy all the fruit shit. and we're like eating it, having these like, these are some of the sweetest cherries I've ever had in my life. They're like, they were phenomenal. And then he starts gathering all of them up and he starts making this like cherry tea and this giant like cast, no, like, like you know, like in the Middle on. East they have those like big, huge kettles. They're like... They're like about a meter tall. They have like the fireplace underneath it. And then they have like the pot that boils the water on the top. And then the water comes out of that and you just like steep everything inside of a pot. That the, and I don't know, amazing machine. He made this like, <laughs> a, I don't know, this beautiful cherry tea for us. And then he let us stay there for the evening to sleep in his orchard as well. Oh my God. And then the next day was the end of Ramadan. Yeah. So he brought his entire family over and they all came to the orchard and we had this giant feast together. Like, they were there cooking up, like, local dishes. We had this, Oh, like, that's so cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, my God. Like, we were in such, a, like, this terribly hard place. And this guy just, like, out of nowhere comes and takes us in. Shows us, come like, to come, my garden. Yeah, come to my garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's like God stretching his hand out. That's <laughs> so crazy. Oh, mm. my God. I mean, that, that, that's when you, like, that's when you really, like, you know, see what a country's all about. When you, like, have someone local who's just, like, yeah. Yeah. Let me show you everything. <laughs> Let me show you the world. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Iran can be like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So That's yeah, so crazy. super friendly. Far out. And then, like, we're the next day we're gonna leave, and like on the way out, they gave us a bunch of food to take with us. They actually like forced me to take a whole watermelon with me. Like, I kept trying to refuse this watermelon. I was like, it's not going to fit on the bicycle. Like, I can't take a watermelon. I was like, no, you must take the watermelon. I was like, I can. I was like, and I was like, fine, I'll take it. Like, I ended up, like, having to move everything from the one bag to the other bag and just have this giant watermelon just in the bag that I'm taking with us. <laughs> it's like the most cumbersome thing you could ever have. <laughs> 
skid halfway down the road, just fucking smash on the other side of the road. We got a 10 kilometers in the town, and I was thinking, can I eat a whole watermelon at once? <laughs> so I'm there, just like on the side of the road with a spoon, just trying to shovel this whole watermelon down my face. Oh it's like, uh. <laughs> That's when I got so, so beloaded that I had to lie on the ground for half an hour. Because like, I was like, waterlogged as fuck. Oh, there's so God. much fluid inside of a watermelon it's so yeah I mean that's why they call it a watermelon yeah exactly it's filled with water <laughs> I mean I held it in front of my chest it's like eh, it's about the same size should be able to fit in there that's so crazy man. what <laughs> and then you got to Tehran and you got the money from this like yeah. distant relative so further along this day we get to the next town and I know it's nighttime there we're trying to find a place to set up our uh, tents to camp so we stopped in this like middle intersection in the middle of town and we're talking to this one Iranian dude, like through like this Google Translate sort of thing, asking if he knows a place to camp. And as, as we're talking to this guy, more and more people start coming around and just like watching us as we're talking or trying to figure out what's going on. Who are these two random white guys in a yeah, yeah. town in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, yeah. And then they start talking for a long, long time. And eventually it, I'm guessing they set something out because another guy comes up and he's like, follow me. I'm like, all right, we'll go with you. This worked last time. <laughs> this worked last time. <laughs> so we follow this information <laughs> bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we follow this guy out of town. It takes us like not not very far out of town. It just takes us out of like the main part of town and then just like back streets leading out of town. And you see this other big walled off building. It's like walled off building. Good places. Takes us inside. This is a motorcycle junkyard. There's hundreds of them in there. And this oh, guy just like shit. walks up, takes us to this like room on top of one of the huts, and is like, you guys, you can sleep up here for the night. We're like, oh, sick. This is awesome. And like, we're super happy with the accommodation. We find it kind of cool. We're in this like motorcycle graveyard. We're getting everything set up to go to sleep. The next thing you know, we have these cars come racing down the street, and they slam to a halt right in front of this um, junkyard that we're in. And then the cop, the door bursts open, and then cops come running in and like oh. pick up all of our stuff and they chuck it in the back of the car. And then they're like, "You have to come with us." And they're like, we're "Like why?" And it's like, "No, you have to come with us." And it's like they kept just saying that because like they didn't speak very good English. And they were like, "We're like we're, we're freaking out a little bit at this point because you know the cops have come oh and they're Lord. taking us away." So it was a sting operation, or I, uh, sorry, I'm, I'll I'm tell us. Yeah. <laughs> continue, please continue. <laughs> oh yeah, so like, they've got all of our stuff in the car and they have us like follow behind them on our bicycles and we're like going behind them and like my friend looks over and he's like, should we run away? And it's like, I'm like, we're on bicycles, man. We're not going to get far. Oh so we're like, God. we're freaking out like the whole way. We're behind this car. We're following it towards the police station. We get to the police station and like, it's like this big, huge stone wall, metal barbed wire on the top, people with machine guns walking up there. We go inside, like, they open up the gate, we go inside, it closes behind us. We're, we're, we're completely afraid. We have no idea what's oh, going yeah. on or why we're in the police station. Absolutely petrified. Yeah. So, we walk in the front door, we go up to the desk, they ask for our passports, we, like, hand them our passports. And then, like, we start, like, walking farther behind this one guy, and he takes us into one of these, like, jail cells at the back of the police station. At this point, we're like, oh, shit, what's going on? And then this other Iranian dude walks up, who can speak English. And he's just like, yo, guys, you can sleep here tonight. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were shitting ourselves. <laughs> and they just wanted to bring us there just so we could sleep. Because they'd obviously heard about our story in town that we were looking for a place to sleep. What? So they just like pretty much came and pulled us out of where we were. 
What? I know. It was fucked. Why? Why would they? Why would they think that that's a better alternative to like where you were? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a legal place to be. I don't know. I think it was legal. But then again, like on the other hand, I was actually super stoked. I got to sleep in an Iranian prison cell. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. What? Oh my god. That's like, that That story never ends well. Like, you know, getting taken to an Iranian cop shop, you know. <laughs> Shown into a cell. But like, I don't know, like, they'd never seen foreigners there. Like, we were like the first people that they'd ever seen from outside the country to pass through their village for, for like them. So like, they were just super happy to have us there. Because like, like, after that, like after we got over the initial shock and we calmed down a little bit, we uh, like we had a bunch of the fruit we'd gotten from like a host that we met at the garden in Zanjan, and we were just sitting outside, talking to some of these Iranian guys, eating fruit together, hearing them talk about like living there, what they wanted to do, and it was just yeah. Oh my god! It was, it was actually that's cool. This is a great night. Damn. Yeah. So that guy spoke English. He gave you some good stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talked for a little while. He was, just, he was super excited to have other people there that weren't Iranian. That's hilarious. Man, that's wild. And then you got to Tehran. Then I got to Tehran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then there was like no more crazy then shit. Crazy shit it was a straight trip. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> nothing happened. I'm sure more crazy shit happened between Iran and China, though. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, I think I'll move on. Like, this is probably the craziest story of that trip, if we right. got time. All right. Yeah, we've got, we've got time for, for one big finale. One big finale. All Let's right. Let's do it. Okay. So as we started getting closer to Laos... I started meeting like more people that had done bike trips and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I met this one British guy and I said, oh, I'm going to go bike through Laos. And then this British guy, he tells me, he's like, all right, so when you're in Laos, you're probably going to go to Vong Vien and from Vong Vien, you're going to head up to Long Pabong. In between those two places is a mountain called Khaleesi. You got to have to, you got to have to watch out for it because she's a bitch. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, it's like, I'm biking in the Himalayas, man. There's no way this mountain can be that bad. Is that... I bike through, I get out of Nepal, I get to Laos, spend some time in Van Shen, make my way up to Vong Vien, and Vong Vien is this giant party city, I don't you know if you know it, but... I've heard of Vong Vien, actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can in, drink for like... In free. Lao. In Lao. In Lao, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And, yeah, pretty much, you don't even have to pay for alcohol there if you're doing it right. So it's just a massive party city. If you're doing it right. If you're doing it right. If you're staying <laughs> at the right places, you're going to like the happy hours where the alcohol's free and stuff. Jesus. It's yeah, it's crazy. That's nuts. So I spent like a two week bender there just partying all the time. <laughs> and then after I mean, the two went... weeks, I was like, oh, I have to leave this place. <laughs> yeah. It's destroying me. And like my final night in Vong Vien, I'm getting ready to like gear up to go towards Khaleesi and get to Luang Prabang. Are you still with your mate at this point? Oh uh, no, my mate's, I'm sorry, my mate left in Nepal. Okay, he, right. uh, we got to Kathmandu and his person he was subletting his apartment to was leaving. He wanted to get things more serious with this girl he was seeing, so... He flew home. He flew home. Yep. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to go home yet. I'm not going home, man. I'm not I'm going, going home. I'm going, to, I'm going to China. I'm going to China. I'm well, going, yeah. going to Laos, actually. We're going to Laos, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that's further away than China from Nepal, surely. Nepal, yeah. you just go to the store. Well, no, it got different because, like, from Nepal, we were looking to go into India. And then from India, we were going to go into oh, Myanmar. Oh, Indochina and then go up to China. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then, you know... When we were planning on going into Myanmar in 2017, it was when they were having the problems there oh, with... Oh, 
true. The military and the government fighting, and they were, uh, like, killing the Muslims there, too, so the borders were all shut, and you couldn't yeah, get through the country. Yep, yep. And we'd previously looked into going into China, and getting into China, is, it's not an easy thing, man, when you're coming overland. They wanted you to have, like, a permanent tour guide with you who's there every day, and you have to pay them something like six to $700 a week, American, just to, like show you around and keep an eye on you because they don't want you seeing things that you're not supposed to see. Oh, oh. So, like, we scrapped going to China. We were on our way to Bangkok. Yeah. Yeah. And so, from Kathmandu, I flew to Van Vien Chen in Laos. Because there's, like... bike? Yeah. It's oh, super easy. Like, you pack it up into a box and then they just count the box as an extra piece of luggage. So it's not <laughs> even expensive. That's crazy. I mean, it, I think it cost us, like, an extra 40 bucks to get the bike on. That's insane. Yeah. That's really was, good. Yeah, it was perfect. Good deal. Right. So you flew to Laos and then... Yeah. And so then yeah, I cheated a little bit on the bike thing, but yeah. there's nowhere around no, it. it's just, it's just what it yeah. is. <laughs> so yeah, I got to Vientiane, put the bike back together, and then from there, got to Vang Vien. Night before I'm about to leave to go hit this mountain, I see this other biker come into town, and he's like, oh, he came from the Khaleesi direction. I've got to have a chat with this guy. Yeah. So I go and I buy his two of those, like, cheap kebab bread things that you can get in uh, Laos. Super taste. They got everything in them. And I walk over to this guy, I give him the sandwich, just start having a chat. And I was like, so, where'd you come from, man? He's like, I came from Luang Prabang. He's like, oh, sick. I'm going there tomorrow. He stops eating and he looks at me and he says, don't do it. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, he looks me dead in the eye and just tells me not to do it with a very serious face. And I'm just like, wow, I kind of have to do it. I've come this far, man. It's not like I'm going to stop. So I didn't let him deteriorate me because I'm still like, I bike to the Himalayas. There's no way any mountain can be worse than that. So the next day I get up late because I'm hungover as fuck. Start biking, get out of Angvien, get to the base of this mountain. And it looks, doesn't look too bad. I mean, it doesn't look as big as I like imagined it to be. So I was like, but still, I thought I'd be safe. I camp there for the night. And in the morning, I get up at a relatively decent time to start my trek up this mountain. So you get on the bicycle and you start going up. And this mountain was like, 13% like all the time when it was going up but it, like it would take you up and then it drop you down into a dip so you'd have to like go back down and then you have to go back up again and they have this like wrapping winding road that would just like weave its way up the mountain and this road was like 40 kilometers long to get to the top and you're just up there and you're trekking and it's you halfway through your legs are just burning because they're on fire it gets to the point where I'm like not even looking where I'm going. I'm just concentrating on my breathing, so I'm not thinking about the distance or the pain inside of my legs because oh I realize it's like I, I'm struggling here. <laughs> like this mountain was—it's a painful mountain. Yeah, it was tough. And it's hard to go back as well. Like, oh, you're not going back. There's a point of no return. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you got a goal. You set the goal. You're getting to the other side. You're not going to give up. You just, you want to get there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So eventually, after like nearly more than half the day i finally get to the top and i'm 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 so joyful like i'm at the top it's only downhill from here this is like this is the best this is the peak i'm gonna have this great cruise down this mountain see all the sights it's gonna be amazing so i start going down the other side of the mountain and then next thing i know i'm in a guest house somewhere I like i wake up in a bed and i'm like what the fuck is going on i get out of the bed i go into the bathroom and i like, look at my face in the mirror and I've got bandages like all over my face what yeah like I was going down the mountain and then I I don't, I don't know like I I don't have much memory of what happened in between Holy then shit like I woke up 
I looked in the mirror and I stood there trying to think and like remember what the had happened to me. And I can vaguely remember being in the back of someone's pickup truck. So I'd obviously crashed my bike, I'd fallen over, someone had stopped, thrown me in the back of their pickup truck, and then took me down the mountain. And then I can remember being in this like Vietnamese room on this like thick wooden kitchen table while these guys were like running around me. I think nurses, because they had like white clothes, but they were like sewing up my face and stuff. They were doing like oh. stitches and stuff on my face. And then I remember getting out and then the next thing that's in there is like I'm in this like Loatian bar I'm singing karaoke with a guy with one arm we're sinking beer and then it's then it's it that's it. then I'm back at the hotel it's like just like these three like random events happen but other than that there's just it's blackness what yeah I mean I crashed I'm probably mostly gonna get a concussion my helmet had this like giant dent in it but I don't know it's Holy crap. That's like, that's one hell of a near-death experience. Right yeah. There. What if yeah. there wasn't a guy with a pickup truck? What yeah, if, what if, I don't know. What, what if, if I, like, fallen off the mountain and rolled down the side? Right, yeah, what if you went inside? Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh what if I'd fallen on the road and someone hit me, and they hadn't seen me because it was a winding road, or... It's like Fuck. a bunch of things that could have happened, but... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm super glad these guys found me and, like, picked me up and took me down the mountain. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god! I, I, oh, it was it just like out of the out of the goodness of their hearts, basically that 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 you got through that, you know? Like yeah, I mean, pretty much, right? Like they oh can't yeah, be, definitely. They can't be like, oh well, eventually he'll wake up and then he'll give us money because we're you know we've done this service. Oh. To them. They wouldn't be thinking. You can't be thinking like that. Oh no 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 no! It's, it's just like, just like oh, the quality shit. of like good human beings. You see someone in trouble, like you help. You yeah. help. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, man. That's crazy. So what, you think you were just going so fast that you just came off and just grinded on the... Yeah. Or maybe I was going so fast. Maybe it was something else to do with, like, dehydration because it was a long trek up the other side of the mountain. Maybe maybe it was altitude, <sighs> like, going up and down that quickly, like, lightheadedness. Maybe it was, like, all of them. Yeah. It's... Damn. <sighs> Have you have you got any scars from that still? Like that sounds like a pretty serious. Got some under my mustache. Under your mustache. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you, keep, you keep that there to. You know. uh, and then <laughs> uh, you can see. I don't know if it's the side of the nose. Yeah. There's okay. like little bits there. Damn. That's insane. <laughs> Far out. I was not expecting that story. Um, nah. Yeah. That's one hell of a near death experience. <laughs> Jesus. I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was, I love, like, out of the three things I can remember, there's, like, that, and then there's, like, me in this tiny bar singing karaoke with guy on one arm. It's like, I, I had no idea how that fit into the story. It must have, have like, the bandages on still at that point? <laughs> yeah. Like, I woke up with the bandages on still, you know? <laughs> I don't know if he's, like, maybe he's, like, I feel your pain with his arm and stuff, and we just... Oh. That's so funny. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Um, okay, have you got, have you got, uh, have you got a feel good or a, like a, you know, a, a positive, like a, something hilarious that happened on this bike trip? Like, have you got a, have you got a positive story for us to take us home? Oh yeah, it's another Iranian story. It's a really good one. All right, back to Iran, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like, we were in Iran and we got like, we got into Tehran, we got the money and we went to check out their, 
giant telecommunications tower that they have there because it had this like great outlook of the city. So we went up there like late in the afternoon to like have this like see the sun going down and see the city at night with all the like the lights on it and how it would look. And we get up to the top and yeah, we're like looking at Iran. It's sparkling and it's dazzling. It looks amazing. It's, it's beautiful. Like we were loving the time we were having up there. And then we head back down to the bottom because we want to go check out this like giant archway that they light up at night as well. So we get to the base and we go to one of those taxi terminals that they have there. And you go in and you ask them for like a ca taxi driver and then you tell them where they're going. And then it's like, all right, you're going to pay this guy this much money. He's going to take you there. So they point at a cab. We go with this like note that's got like a number written on it. We go to the taxi driver. We give him the note and tell him where we're going. He's just like, yep. And he starts like driving out of the parking lot. And he's driving like real, like slowly, like doing a really fine, just normal driving style. All right, before I go any farther, in Iran, like if you're driving on the road, no one drives in their lane. They drive between they the lanes. They just drive wherever. The yeah, they yeah. drive wherever they All want. All of Asia's like that. I swear to yeah. God, they're, they're ridiculous. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the lines are there for no purpose. Yeah, yeah. they do not serve any purpose. <laughs> so yeah, he gets to the point. Like he's driving out. He gets to like the boom to get out of the parking lot for this telecommunication telecommunication towers and onto the highway. The moment we're through the boom. He just drops his foot to the floor, and we take off. Like, out of nowhere, this guy just starts belting it down the road. And we don't know what's going on, so we got, like, those, like, little giggly screams, because, like, oh, wow, this is, this is turning exciting. And then we get into the highway, and now he's just, like, weaving in and out of the cars as he's going along, as if we're being chased. <laughs> My friend and we are just, like, we're half laughing, half screaming in the back, just because, like, this is the thrill that like, we didn't know we were going to get. Yeah, This yeah. guy's taking off, like, we're in an action movie. He's, like, he's trying to get us, or, like, somewhere. And it's, it's as if someone's trying to stop us. <laughs> then he, he's going, he sees like the off-ramp that he's going to get onto, swerves into it way too late, goes around the corner, starts drifting around the corner in the car as he's trying to get around the ramp, then gets back onto the road, straightens up, and just goes flying down again. He's driving faster than any other car on the road. He's belting it and weaving in and out of traffic like a madman. What the fuck? <laughs> Me and my friend are just like in the seas. We're giggling. Like we're, we're like it's, it was like a roller coaster ride. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh my god. Holy shit, that just sounds like Thailand to me. Like, yeah. It just reminds me so much of Thailand. They're oh, yeah, for sure. They're crazy shit in tuk-tuks and stuff, you know? Just yeah. fucking pedal to the metal, like, in between, like, you know, all the cars. Just like, ah, <laughs> help me! <laughs> just in the back, like, no, no, stop, 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 stop. Faster! Oh. Faster! <laughs> <laughs> faster! <laughs> okay, I got faster. Let's go. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> And then, like, he finally gets us to where we're going. And then we get out of the car, and we're, like, doing that sort of, like, day shake and walk. And then he steps out, and he's like, so, how much do you owe me? <laughs> and we're just, like, fumbling into our pockets, pull out some cash, and just, like, say thank you, because we just had the best ride of our life. <laughs> and then he just flies off down the road. That's so sick. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, awesome stuff. Uh, yeah. Thank you uh, so much for joining me on the podcast today, Mark. Well, it was a pleasure really to be here with Matt. I've heard stories. I, I, I had no idea that you fucking rode your bike from Netherlands basically to China. That's like next level. Yeah. That's, mm. that's, that's outstanding. Uh, you said you were coming prepared with some stories. I didn't, I didn't realize yeah. that's, like, that's, that's the next level. Oh, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. And thank you all for listening. I hope to catch you very shortly.